joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. What a beautiful song to start, uh, or not really to start, but to lead into our time of study together, especially as we think about our theme for the week, uh, trusting God from the inside out. When we live a life that we trust God, from the inside out, then we find peace in our soul. Amen? It is well with my soul. No matter what goes on, no matter what happens, no matter what struggles I face, when I have faith, when I have a trust in God to know that He's going to take care of me, it doesn't mean that the challenges won't come. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a hard time. But I know that when that moment comes, I can trust Him from the inside out. I can give Him that. I can turn that over to Him. I know that He's going to walk through that with me and that He's going to be there, that I don't have to overcome with my own strength, but rather I overcome with the strength of God. And because of that, it is well with my soul. Judd, thank you for leading that song as we get into our time together. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll jump into our thoughts of the, of the hour. God, we thank you so much for the chance to just be together this morning. We pray that in this room that we find peace and encouragement and uplifting um, attitudes from each other. We pray that we find grace and mercy. We pray that we find conviction, God. We pray that we look at Jesus in everything that we do and everything that we're about and no matter what's going on, that he is our focus and that we are trying to live only to serve him only to make him happy and, and putting ourselves aside. That's hard to do, God, but help us to do that. Be with us as we talk about the nature of, of discipleship this morning, our purpose for being Christians in many ways. Our purpose is not to just be saved and go to heaven, God, but rather to come into a relationship with you and turn around and try to bless the world with your love. Help us to talk about that in a way this morning that brings honor and glory to you and to you only. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We've been talking about it, praying about it, working on it for three or four weeks now, and finally the day has come. It is now the day that we get to have vacation Bible school. I told someone earlier this week um, that uh, with all the work nights and different things, it's been, a, for me, and I'm not not trying to to get any sympathy, but it's, it's, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy couple of weeks, busiest couple of weeks really uh, that I feel like I've had in, in, in a handful of months. And uh, as, as the summer goes, this was I knew coming in, this was going to be busy. And several of you have been busy with me. And that I appreciate so, so, so much. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a few moments as we get a little bit further into our lesson. But let me just say, for those of you that have been up here and helped and have done and, and in any way, shape, or form, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This, this week could not go off uh, as well as it's going to without you. And, and I am very appreciative of that effort and, and love and service that you have given to God this week. We started out every lesson over the last three weeks with this slide. And what I want to do is 
in many ways, as I look at the things that we've talked about over the last three weeks into today, I almost wish going back I had flipped the script and that I had started with this lesson and, and rolled into the things that we talked about over the last few weeks. But I, I think that uh, the things that we're going to talk about today are important, not just for this week, but thinking about what our purpose is as we move beyond this week, as we move into the school year, as we, before you know it, turn around and roll into a new year. What is our purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do as the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama? And, and so as we came into this week, we talked about that the purpose of Vacation Bible School is this. We, we've talked about it. We reach into our community. We teach our children about trusting in God. And we connect our members into a place of service and ministry. And, and that has been what we've kind of funneled everything through. We, we, we've been trying to accomplish these things as we come into this week. But as I think about this idea of reach, teach, and connect, the truth of it is, is it's not just our purpose for Vacation Bible School, is it? It is our purpose every single day as a Christian to reach someone, to teach someone, and to connect them with a Savior that wants to save them and spend eternity with them. And so what I want to do is I want to look at each of these words today, maybe more uh, focused, and talk about how they need to be lived in our life, not just as we go through this week, but as we walk every day as a child of God. The first word in our, in our, our lesson here, or in our purpose statement, is the word reach. Uh, another word for that is, is evangelism. Um, that, that's a word that uh, we're very familiar with, but I think evangelism is also a word that we're really scared of. We're really scared of that word because a couple of things. Number one, evangelism takes effort, and some people are afraid of effort, all right, and, and, and they're just not going to put forth effort. But I think the thing that scares us the most about evangelism is evangelism involves conversation, and conversation involves questions, and questions involve what? Answers. How many of you are scared or nervous about the idea of, of, uh, of evangelism because you're scared of having to answer a question that you don't know the answer to? That's what I've always heard. I'm, just, I'm afraid that they're going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. And it seems like in anything else in the world, we have this idea of, well, if you need to find an answer, what do you do? You go find I'm not afraid of being asked a question that I don't know because I can find the answer somewhere. Somebody will know. And so I think one of our biggest fears we've got to get over, we've got to get over, is that it is okay to not have an answer, all right, in the moment. Say this with me. Say, it's okay. Just, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's okay to be asked a question and to not know the answer right then, right there. Now, if you're asked a question you don't know the answer, and then you give no effort into finding the answer, then we have a whole different problem we need to talk about. But don't be scared of that moment. I think another thing, and maybe this leads in to, to what I really want to kind of touch on, is who are we trying to reach? Who are we trying to reach? That's a very important question. I know in, in one place that I worked, I, I was hired, and a lot of the conversation was around, we're hiring a young minister with a young family to, uh, to come in and bring other young families into our community, or, or into our church from our community. But what they didn't do is they didn't understand that you have to provide an atmosphere in which young families want to come in. And they really struggled with that. They didn't want the change that came along with the growth. And so there was a, 
an influx of young families, and then they did not feel welcome, so they just, they just left and went somewhere else in many ways. So who are we trying to reach, and how are we trying to reach them? I think that's an important question. I think the obvious answer, okay, this is the quick answer. The quick answer is, well, we find that answer in Matthew 28, right? And that's we're, we're going to park here for the, for the remainder of our time together and really use this as a launching point into our conversation. But what does Jesus say here? Therefore, what? Go. Say it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So we ask the question of who are we trying to reach? And the answer is what? Everyone. The answer is everyone. Now, who is everyone? Let that question kind of sink in for just a moment. Who is everyone? Is it everyone that is just like us? Is it everyone that's got the same hobbies and and the same uh, family dynamics as me. See, I think our challenge in this, this statement is I believe we all think, yes, we have to reach everyone, but the truth is we're uncomfortable with the idea of everyone. We want to reach out to people that are like us and that we're comfortable with. And that's okay, and, and that needs to be done. But when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he means everyone. So let's think about Haleville, Alabama for just a minute. I did, did a little research this week. Uh, th these things are easy to find, these uh, demographics for our community. We live in a city that is 4,140 people big, uh, according to uh, the last census and uh, the approximation of growth. The, uh, uh, we are... Uh, Diversity-wise, the two largest groups in our community, as we are 87% white, and I was actually, I knew the number was high, but I was uh, surprised that uh, we are 11% Hispanic. When I moved in 2019, uh, that number was lower. We were more about 9, 9.5% Hispanic, but that number has grown a, a lot more over the last couple of years. This is the one this is the one that touches my heart, and it has for some time, and, and I've talked to some of you about this, and this is something that, that, that we've been trying to figure out what to do in this area, but single-parent homes in our community, 37% of our homes in our community are single-parent homes. That's 535 households of single-parent homes. There's, there's a ministry field right there waiting for us to jump in and show the love of God. The poverty rate in our community is 23%. Of the people in our community, 30% of them are professed non-believers. 30%. They have no church affiliation whatsoever. And it's not really that they're just non-believers as much as it is they just say, you know, hey, we're not affiliated with any church anywhere. They have nothing that defines them in their faith. And so... I ask this question again, who is everyone? Who is everyone? And this is the challenge. This is the challenge. Everyone very well may look like a single mom with two kids who has an interesting relationship past, has a job that can hardly pay the bills, has not been to church in years and wonders, if there is a God, why is he not helping me out? And sadly, 
in our walk as disciples many times, that type of person, that type of individual, that everyone is someone that we're not necessarily the most comfortable going up to and inviting to church because we don't necessarily always understand the dynamics of their life and where they are and maybe how they got in that situation. And if we're really honest sometimes, if we're really honest sometimes, what we tend to do with everyone is we look at their situation and we judge it a little bit. Well, they, they, they have this and they have that, but they should be able to pay this bill or that bill. You know, they, they're in that situation because of bad decisions that, that they made. And yes, that very well may be true, but making good decisions is not a qualifier to come to Jesus. It doesn't say yes, you can or no, you can't. Everyone means everyone. Even the ones that we look at and we're uncomfortable with sharing our faith with. So then the question becomes, how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? How do we reach into everyone? Yes, it's easy to reach those that we're comfortable with. Yes, it's easy to reach those with think, reach people that we have things in common with, that, that we talk to every day on a daily basis, or maybe that we work with. But what do we do to reach other people that are maybe out of our comfort zone or maybe out of our circle of influence? And I think about things like Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is a wonderful entry point for people to come and to meet us, but vice versa, for us to meet people. And to make connections with someone, with everyone, that I maybe never would have connected with before. Snacks with Santa, Trunk or Treat, our Adopt-A-School program. All of these things that we do, all of these things that we're a part of, that we put effort into, that we put time into. The whole point of those things is to reach is to open up opportunities to have conversation, is to open up opportunities to have moments where we don't judge, not moments where we, not moments where we look at and go, well, you've made this decision and you're in this situation because of the decisions that you've made. No, 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 no. It's where we go, hey, despite your decisions, guess what? There's still a God who loves you. That, that single mom's looking there going, I haven't gone to church because, listen, Sunday, I, I'm exhausted. And I, I mean, how in the world am I don't even feel like getting up and bringing these kids to church and, and, and dealing with them. It's just easier to stay home. That person needs love. They need a place of, of, of acceptance. They need a place where they can interact with the grace and mercy of God. And it's not always going for the first time to be in the auditorium of a church building. It's going to be at VBS. It's going to be adopt-to-school programs. It's going to be at these other things that we do. We have to figure out how to reach into this community and share nothing but the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. We have to be a church if that is our focus and that is our mission because of the last things that Jesus said, the first of the last things was go and all, everyone. So we have to figure out how to do that. Now, when we get there, what do we do? When we get there, what do we do? Well, the next thing he says in our text here is he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them 
to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So, so we have to go, we have to make disciples, and we do that by baptizing them. But even if you back that up, before we baptize them, what do we have to do with them? We have to teach them the truth. We have to teach them the truth. And so the question is, what are we to teach? The answer is, we are to teach all things who? All things, I'll get to it, all things Jesus. He says, teach all things that who has commanded? All things I have commanded. Not your pet peeve. Not your tradition. Not your opinion. But to teach who? Jesus. To teach Jesus. That's it. That's it. All things Jesus. But how do we teach all things. How do we teach all things? And I think that that's a very interesting question that we could spend a lot of time with this morning. We're not going to spend as much time as I would like to this morning. Uh, this is maybe something for a class setting that we talk later. But I think this idea of how do we teach then becomes sometimes even a generational issue, a generational opinion, a generational approach. Because some of you who are maybe the age of 60 and older, you were brought up in an environment where the teaching was a little more direct, as you would say, a little more, um, uh, what, what, what was it? Robbie used a phrase the other day, um, unapologetically truth. Unapologetically, he was talk, we were talking about someone, he goes, man, he goes, that guy, he preached the truth unapologetically. And sometimes that was a, that, that's a phrase to cover up. I don't care if I make you mad. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be harsh about it. I'm not going to apologize if I hurt your feelings with Jesus. But what's the problem with that attitude? Well, if you're under 60 years old or really under 50 years old, let's just be honest, us millennials and us younger than us, I'm, I say us millennials, I'm at the very top of that little millennial mark right there. And um, so I'm almost, I'm too old to be a millennial, but I'm too young to be a Gen X. So I just have all of these issues with labeling people. But you come into a generation of people who, uh, let's just be honest, they wear their feelings on their shoulders a little bit, right? They do. And so those that are older than that, they go, they just need to learn to get over it. And then those people are like, they need to quit being so mean. I need a safe place. You know? But here's the thing. We all need Jesus, right? We all need Jesus. And I if I have to take a softer approach to show you the love of Jesus, then that's what I'm going to do. Because that may be how you hear him. It doesn't change truth. It doesn't change the fact that I'm trying to bring you into a relationship of baptism and the Holy Spirit and commitment to Him. It just means that I'm going to meet you where you are. And I'm not going to try to force something else on you that you're not going to respond to. And I think we see this in, in John chapter 8. Is that right? John chapter 8, where Jesus is dealing with the situation where you see both sides of this, I believe. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So you've heard this story. We've, we've talked about this. What, 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 what have we done? We, we've, set this, we've set this woman up. She's in the middle of the act. We've grabbed her out of the middle of the act. And we have thrown her into a group of people. And what do they say? Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Unapologetic truth. You are sinning. We caught you in it. 
In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. This is truth, Jesus. This is what she did. This is what we're supposed to do. Now, what do you say? Unapologetic truth. If we're not careful, sometimes we take truth and we turn it into a battering ram and we do more harm than we do good. So what the teachers and the Pharisees of the law saying true here? If someone under the old law was caught in the act of adultery, what was the punishment for that sin? Being stoned. It was. Truth. Then Jesus, they were using this to question, to question as they were using this question as a trap in order to have a bias for accusing him. So they're really after Jesus, not her. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down again and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. No one, sir, she said. I want you to stop right there for a second. What I see here is as we're trying to teach, let's remember this. As we teach, it is not our job to judge. It's not our job to bend over and start picking up stones. It's not our job to grab someone out of the middle of a sinful lifestyle, drag them into the middle and go, what's their punishment? Mm -mm. That's not teaching. That's not teaching. Judging is reserved for who? God. And we have wrapped up judging in a package called unapologetic truth. And we've done just that. We've stood around waiting to throw the first stone. And Jesus says, you can't do that because you've got problems in your own. Go deal with the speck or the log in your eye before you worry about a speck or a log in someone else's. Then he says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, and here's truth. Here's truth in this thing. Go now and what? Leave your life of sin. He calls sin, sin, doesn't he? He looks at her and says, you're sinning in your life. Yes, this obvious what you're doing is wrong. Don't do it anymore. There's no one else here left to judge you other than, than me. And he says, I don't what? Condemn you. I'm not going to punish you for this. I'm not going to bring you into judgment for this. Just go now and leave your life of sin. And so... There's two ideas here, unapologetic truth and grace and love. And we have this idea sometimes that we can't have truth and grace and we can't have truth and love or you can't have real love and truth. That's what's going on in our society. And we spent about six weeks talking about this several months ago. But here's, here, here's the thing that I want you to understand, that truth, love, and grace are all connected. They're all connected. I cannot have truth without what? Love and but I cannot have grace without love and truth. They all have to be there. But nowhere in that triangle is there the word judge. I teach truth. And yes, there are moments 
There are moments that I might have to go up to Caleb and say, hey, Caleb, buddy, listen, I love you and I've been watching your life and and, and I'm seeing there's some things going on that really, they're not matching up with what Jesus wants us to be about. And if he doesn't listen to me in that, the Bible's got some ways for us to deal with that, to try to encourage him and and to try to teach him and try to move him into a place of, of truth, love, and grace in his own life with God. But it's never in a way of judgment. We have to make sure that that's not our message. That our message is love, truth, and grace in their fullness in every way. And it be nothing about nothing but Jesus. Not me, not you, but Jesus. So we have to make sure we're teaching, but teaching the truth in love. And then here's the last thing that we talk about and that we've been mentioning. is connect. When I hear that word connect, I think about some different things. I think about that process of reaching them, teaching them, and connecting them to Jesus. All right? So, but then once you connect them to Jesus, Matthew 28 says that we become what? Starts with a D, making disciples. And what do disciples do? Disciples serve. Disciples serve. You can see some of these. These are just a few. I've posted a lot more on Facebook this week, but only three fit on the screen this morning. Um, but, But people serving. People serving, people coming and saying, what do you need? That's been my favorite phrase all the last couple of weeks, is people have shown up, people have shown up, some people have shown up during the day, some people have shown up at work nights, and they walk up to me and they go, what do you need? What, what do I, what do I, just point me in a direction. Just, just, just tell me what you need done, and I'm going to go do it. And I absolutely love the heart behind that idea. And that's why I say thank you so much because it couldn't have been done without you. It couldn't have been done without your attitude. It couldn't have been done without your love of saying, what can I do? We have to make sure as children of God, we keep that idea. What can I do? There is no retirement age in Christianity. We are never told that, hey, after you get to a certain point, you sit on the sideline and you don't serve anymore. There's always something to do. There's always a way to connect into service. Maybe you are not able to come, and maybe you're not able to to lead groups. Maybe you're not able to do crafts. Maybe you're not able to go out and lead games. (coughs) Excuse me. Maybe you're not able to get up and and, and do the singing with the kids anymore. Let me tell you what you can do over the next three nights. You can be here. You can be here. Just be here and connect with people. Be here and see the laughter. Be here and see the joy. Be here and see the people that we're trying to reach and connect with them. There's going to be a lot of things that you can do the next three nights. There's going to be a lot of more fun things. There could be a lot of things you can watch on TV, a lot of things you can maybe read. You may think it's too late. You may think that, hey, this isn't for me. No, it is. This is a church-wide effort for us to come together and connect with each other. To connect with each other. What does Acts chapter 2 say? That they, da- they gather together in the temple courts. How often? Daily. We will be together daily for the next three nights. I guess that's nightly, but same point. Gather. Be with your brothers and sisters in fellowship. Grow that bond of unity that we say we have, but show it by being here and worshiping, being here and studying, being here and encouraging, 
being here in love, but be here and connect with your brothers and sisters. Reach, teach, connect. You know, if we pour our hearts into this, you know what we do as a church? We grow. If we pour our hearts into this, we become better disciples and we go out into our community and we make new disciples and we teach them how to reach, teach, and connect and they become better disciples and then they go out and reach others and make them disciples. Discipleship is not the second plan, the third plan. There's no plan B. Discipleship is God's plan for His church. And a simple way to think of how do we accomplish that is these three words. We reach, we teach, and we connect. And so I hope that you will participate in this process over the next three nights and that you will pray with us and you will join us and you will strive to be a better disciple through the efforts of Vacation Bible School and beyond. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to just be encouraged by your words this morning, maybe not just encouraged, maybe more importantly challenged today. Challenged to be a better disciple. Challenged to to truly live out the Great Commission, to not just sit in a room and teach it, to not just sit in a room and go, oh yeah, those are good words, but to live it every single day. Help us to think of these words and remember these words in our life, to reach, to teach, and connect with people in an effort to bring them into a relationship with you relationship where they can grow, where they can be forgiven, where they can be loved, and in return, they can forgive, they can love, and they can lead other people to you. Be with our efforts this week. Please bless those that will join us. Bless our teachers that are going to be teaching, our group leaders, our speakers. We pray for the families that will be here especially those that are not Ninth Avenue family, God, we pray that the door will open for us to reach someone and bring them to you into a salvation relationship through this effort. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus which and Twitter the morning stars began for the love Be sure to join us again and until then remember to love like Jesus man to man ever sing